Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 157. Today we have Daniel Blue, who, by the way, is a fellow Las Vegas resident. Um, I didn't just like run into him in the streets. I, I know him through business and other things. It turns out we're just in the same city. We didn't get together in person. We did a whole thing on Zoom, but uh, I wanted to uh, get him on the podcast. Uh, there's a good chance I may be on his podcast here uh, in the coming weeks as well. But uh, he has his own podcast called How Winners Win. He also has a company called Quest Education. He's the CEO and founder of the company. Uh, he has a course called The Quest Way. Uh, he also has a, a kind of a main hub website for everything, DanielBlue.me. And uh, we had just a great conversation about his story. He really opened up and was very vulnerable about uh, drug addiction and some situations uh, related to his father and uh, being able to forgive and flush things out and and move on and uh, a lot of the little things along the way and big things along the way that taught him some great lessons. So listen to that episode. There's all kinds of stuff I could say up front, but I just want to you know have you very excited to hear our interview. Um, before we jump into that, as you know, the drill. I want to remind you, as always, it's not just a drill. It's just very important that uh, you remind yourself more than anything. Uh, you are absolutely priceless. Just remember, as individuals, as human beings, uh, all of us are. And it's hard sometimes to put ourselves in that place to actually remember that and, and embrace that because a lot of times we like to think negative things about ourselves. But I will remind you, you are absolutely priceless. You're above the monetary systems of this world the riches are found in you and so go develop yourself go learn and grow and progress and if you need help with anything i remind you also you're not alone uh, reach out to friends and family and neighbors and co-workers and what, whoever's in your world whatever resources we're very fortunate in this day and age to have access to so many great resources to help and bless our lives and uh, maybe lift you in a in a downtime where you're dealing with a lot of stuff uh, that may be difficult Again, you're not alone. I've dealt with all kinds of things. Daniel has, and uh, just about everyone I've ever known, I think, if not all of them, have <laughs> gone through difficult things. So you're just not alone. I want to remind you of our challenges. Uh, study. Start studying. Keep studying. Stimulate your mind. Find something that's really going to resonate with you and really lift your life, give you some tools and uh, you know, just things to help lift others as well. Lift yourself in the process. I just, uh, the other day I went back to the library with my boys. Uh, we, you know, we took back some books, we got some new books. Uh, I think we ended up with like 15 items at the library and a lot of it is just stuff that they're interested in. It could be star Wars books. It could be skateboarding. Um, it could be, you know, I got a couple things as well. that were like ghost story stuff that we could read together. <laughs> so, you know, find a way to just, you know, stimulate your mind reading. It doesn't always have to be, you know, Tony Robbins or the encyclopedia or Wikipedia or anything like that, but find something to study and stimulate your mind because that's the way that we're going to tune ourselves. We get out of tune like musical instruments. I've been saying this for a long time and we just need to constantly be uh, retuning ourselves. We need to be making these course corrections with this thing. We talked about this in the podcast today with uh, a pilot uh, having to constantly do that, getting from one point to another. And sometimes I repeat some of these analogies, so it might wear you out a little bit, but uh, I think uh, like a lot of things in life, repetition is kind of at the centerpiece of what life's really about because the earth just keeps spinning in circles. I'm surprised we're not all dizzy repetition day in and day out of things. Uh, but let's make it uh, exciting and uh, let's just find great things to study. Uh, the second challenge, make great moments. Again, that could be going to the library with your kids just like I did. So guess what? We're killing two birds with one stone, spending time together, having some fun. We get a treat. Um, we're going to watch the new uh, you know, Space Jam movie that just came out. It's on HBO. So uh, we're going to watch it probably from home and just make some popcorn and maybe, maybe go out and get some food and stuff and just have some fun together. We go swimming together, but also we got a balanced life. We talk about that in the podcast as well, some of this work-life balance stuff. But find a way to make great moments. That's take initiative. That's, uh, you know, just surprise and do things to lift people. That's where great moments really come from. And uh, in as much as you do that, you're going to have some strong pillars in your life to overshadow the other nonsense of all the things, some of which we talked about some version of that today with uh, some of Daniel's story and uh, some of maybe the rest of us. Uh, but find those pillars, make those pillars happen on as regular basis as you can. You know, for those of us in the U.S., it's summertime uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, all of us here, and, uh, you know, find a way to maybe go on a trip or visit grandma or do whatever just to really uh, 
make great moments and try to find that balance together. And the last challenge is very simple. Let's keep doing this podcast together. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so flattered, really truthfully flattered for all who spend time with this podcast. And I send out my most positive, loving vibes and a huge hug to all of you. And uh, I just uh, am grateful that you spend time. Go share the podcast. You know the drill. Write a note, put on your neighbor's car and on their door. And let's let's really harass and bother people so they listen to this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But do things tactfully. And uh, if you've got someone who might uh, benefit from some things in this podcast, hey, go listen to episode 104 or uh, whatever. Uh, you know, we'll share the podcast. Without further ado, my friends, let's jump into our interview Daniel Blue is one of a kind, great guy, great story, and doing great things for people, especially in the financial realm, but great story as well, and just really at the heart to meat and potatoes of being an entrepreneur as well. So a lot of great insights. Without further ado, here we are, Daniel Blue. Let's go. We are pleased as heck to welcome today Daniel Blue, fellow Las Vegas resident, <laughs> a friend, fellow podcaster, CEO of Quest Education, also a uh, uh, his, your podcast is called How Winners Win, right, my friend? Yes, sir. Okay, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I want to make sure I get your title right. How Winners Win. Everyone go look for that and listen to He's got some great content on that there. Um, also, you have a new book coming out. So also new author, uh, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement, right? Yep, yep, that is correct. Okay. Did you uh, want to use, because your name... Daniel Blue. Is that why you use Blueprint? <laughs> or just as a man. coincidence? Bingo. <laughs> there it Definitely is. Some, some marketing behind it. Yeah. Well, that's cute. Good branding. I like it. Um, I, you know, you've got quite a story and you and I haven't gotten to know each other super well yet, even though we are in the same city. We need to go to lunch and uh, Cirque du Soleil and all that because we're in Vegas. <laughs> but um, how, by the way, how long have you been in Vegas? Uh, 12 years. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, see, my mom used to live in Vegas when I was, this is in the 80s. And Vegas had like, I don't know, two or 300,000 people. Now we're over 2 million. So it's grown a lot, obviously. Um, where, where did you come from to Vegas? So I grew up in Oceanside, California, for those uh, who aren't aware where that's at, San Diego County. And yeah. uh, I lived in Oceanside until I was about 16, 17 years old. Um, ended up moving to St. George, Utah. And uh, that's where I graduated uh, my high school year, uh, senior year. Uh, for those who aren't uh, familiar with St. George, Utah, maybe you've heard of Zion National Park. Yeah. If you've never been there. Google it. It's beautiful, gorgeous scenery. So it's really close to Zion. Um, and then I, I lived in St. George until I was 20 years old. And uh, I've been here since. Okay, cool. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah. And so for those who don't know, St. George is about a hundred miles just up I-15 from Vegas. <laughs> so it's, it's not far, but it does, it is over the state line in Utah. Um, it tell, real fast. Have you, you must've been to Zion. And the reason I ask is because I'm thinking of taking my boys there in the next couple of weeks. I have two boys, uh, 11 and nine, as a lot of our audience knows, but uh, have you been much to Zion? Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you been there before? Or? I've never been. That's just, I used to, oh, I lived shoot, in Utah man. myself, but I lived up like in Salt Lake area. <laughs> so okay. I wasn't down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And anytime I headed South, it was like to Vegas. I didn't stop off much at St. George or Zion. Uh, yeah. You'll, uh, you'll have to do the Narrows. Uh, the Narrows is beautiful. If you Google the Narrows, uh, just like it sounds, um, you know, you're in this narrow Canyon. It, it does get, uh, uh, pretty uh, high with the water. So you probably can't venture too far with, with the boys. Um, but mm. we were able to go until about uh, waist high deep of water. And uh, you're just cruising through these beautiful canyons and the water is clear and um, you don't have to get, I mean, you can get uh, your, you know, up to your ankles, up to your knees and, and walk around. It's beautiful. So you can take the kids there and then uh, angels landing. That's probably one of the more famous hikes. Um, mm. I wouldn't take a nine or 10, 11 year old just because it gets pretty high. And yeah. there's actually been some people that have slipped and fall and, and, and they've died, unfortunately, but um, oh. Emerald pools is a pretty chill one. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. You, uh, you're missing out. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm like, well, I need to just take them. And since my son's by the way, in fourth grade, if you have fourth graders out there, you can get a free national parks pass. I found out. Uh, oh, okay. so a little side note, but, uh, it's like an annual thing and he's starting fourth grade in a few weeks, but uh, anyway, yeah, this podcast is not an, it's not an ad for Zions, but 
I thought we'd chat about it since you, <laughs> you'd mentioned it and I might go there in the next couple of weeks and check it out. Love so it. That sounds cool. My, my one son, I showed him pictured by the way of those Canyon. And he said, I think I'd get claustrophobic. It's not like that though. Is it? No, no, because you can look up and you can see the sky. Um, it's not like New York city where you can barely see the sky. You see all buildings. So it's, it's nice and open. Okay. Well, we'll check it out and I'll, and I'll report back. Um, <laughs> so tell me some more of your story because it sounds like you've had a little bit of a roller coaster. A lot of us have in life in various ways. Um, and we're in a no judgment kind of place here. I've had plenty of friends and all kinds of things, including drugs and alcohol and stuff. And I still love them. And a lot of them have, you know, come to more positive place and stuff, but tell me some of your story, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, like I said, Oceanside, California, middle-class, uh, my mom was a social worker. My dad was uh, an entrepreneur and, uh, you know, we, we didn't go really without, you know, we weren't, you know, doing extremely well, like I said, middle-class um, average life. And then when I turned 12, that's when uh, I really feel like my story began to shape. Uh, so my, my dad ended up uh, leaving to Mexico. He actually just moved uh, suddenly to Mexico. And uh, I didn't really get any answers until much later in life. Um, so he moved there permanently and, and uh, my parents got divorced. And then now it's just my mom and myself and my mom, social worker, California, uh, very high cost of living. So she was yeah. working her tail off to, to put food on the table. So um, there I am, 12, 13, 14 years old, going through puberty, hormones, trying to figure myself out and, and not having any supervision. Um, so that left me hanging out with the wrong crowd. I started ditching st- school. Um, I started getting into drugs uh, and just not going down a, a, a solid path. And I uh, got to a point where I, I barely squeaked by my sophomore and my, my junior year. And uh, my mom sat me down and she's like, hey, like, if you keep doing what you're going to do, you're going to be in jail or you're not going to graduate. And I need you to graduate high school at the very least. And uh, I have someone that I know and that you can stay in St. George, Utah. It's a family that we both know. And I think you should go move to St. George, Utah, change up your scenery and go to a new school and and stay with this family. And, uh, you know, thank God for this family for, for taking me in. Um, so I, I packed my stuff and, and I ended up, uh, moving to St. George, Utah and, uh, brand new school, brand new environment. And it was good for my soul. I was able to finish high school and, and graduate. Um, but when I graduated, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I, mm-hmm. I was pretty lost and I still, uh, had demons. I was, I was battling from, from my early years and, uh, society told me to go to college. So I, I signed up for uh, Dixie state college Yeah, and, um, ended up playing soccer on the team. So I was just playing soccer and uh, was pretty decent at it and was ditching college again. So I was just like, I don't even know why I'm going to college. Like, what am I going for? I had no idea my career path and um, ended up dropping out of college once uh, high school or once uh, I finished soccer season. And uh, I was roofing at the time. I was making $16 an hour. And, and for those that don't know, St. George gets pretty hot, 105, 110, 115 degrees. Yeah. Um, I'm roofing at the time and I'm, I'm, hating, I'm hating my life at, at that point, especially during the summer. And um, networking has been a key component in, in the, the success that I have experienced. Um, and, uh, networking has got me a lot of places and it started when I was 18, I was able to network with some certain people and, and get into a different industry that wasn't roofing on a roof at 110 degree weather, got into sales, started doing pretty well, but because I was still lost, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't have core values. I didn't have standards. Um, I started to follow the crap, the bad crowd again, like high school. Um, yeah. so I got into drugs. That's where I, um, experimented and actually became an addict in, uh, the Oxycontin world. And, uh, I was, I was oh, wow. using the, the pills very heavily and, and I was 18 years old, making really good money. I was making six figures when I was 18, never seen that kind of money before. So since I've never seen that kind of money before, our family didn't have that kind of money before I was just a knucklehead and, and spent it uh, very poorly wow. and, um, ended up getting, a, a a lady pregnant when I was 18 years old. And, uh, that was a, a big moment in my life. Um, I didn't want to be a dad. I didn't plan on being a dad, but uh, as you can see, I made a lot of bad choices when, when I was younger. And, um, but that was really, really uh, a big point in my life because, um, I feel like that was God's way of, of 
striking down and saying, Hey, like you need to change. Um, had my daughter when I was 19 and, uh, kind of right around that time when I was 20 years old, I, I was finally able to kick the habit of, of, uh, drugs. And I've been clean since, uh, you know, 12 years now that I haven't uh, gone down that path of, uh, of opioids. Wow. 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 That's, uh, that's quite a story. I mean, it's, it's interesting what happens when people are in their late teens or any, you know, adolescent you know, once you've entered puberty, a lot of, uh, things can happen, <laughs> but people, you know, I watched it firsthand. I experienced some of my own firsthand and, um, and you had some obviously turmoil in your life that may have, you know, I can't put words in your mouth, but may have fed into some of that sounds like, well, um, for sure. there's, so this Oxycontin thing, it's really interesting. And I talked a little bit about this recently because, I, I had a good friend still do. Thankfully uh, he almost lost his life, but he was really addicted and he, he got to a place where he was actually doing some bad things, robbing people and all kinds of stuff, because that's what it does to you. Doesn't it? These, these kind of drugs, even though these are prescription legal drugs, um, it, it kind of makes you a little crazy. Doesn't it? I mean, I can't speak to the depth of your addiction, of course. Yeah. It's um, it's really I was going to use the word fascinating, but I think fascinating sometimes can like produce a, a positive feeling like, cause definitely not positivity in, in that scene. It's really interesting to see now all of these huge mammoth drug companies, pharmaceutical companies. I think I read that Johnson and Johnson settled a lawsuit for billions of dollars for over prescribing pills. Um, basically you think about Oxycontin, uh, Percocet, Loratab, these are opiates, right? And yeah. opiates are a form of heroin. So these pills are a form of heroin. So they're super addicting. And uh, it's really sad to see that in, in 2021, because um, I, I was abusing pills in 08, 09, uh, in that era. And it's just gotten worse. And more and more people can relate to this, either themselves, they've had um, uh, an experience with, with pills or their friends or family. Like you just said, you had a friend that was an addict and you do everything that you can to get high, right? I mean, one Oxycontin pill was costing me, you know, 40 to 60, sometimes $80 a pill, just depending on the day. And that adds up, right? If you're doing a pill a day, you know, you're spending thousands of dollars a month. So you're going to do whatever it takes to fulfill your need. And when I say need, if you stop using, like if I went a day without using uh, Oxycontin during my heyday, um, I would start to feel sick. Like think of the flu, you get the chills, you start sweating, maybe you throw up, maybe it comes out the other end. Um, you legit get sick because your body is, is craving it. It's addicted to it. I actually had two seizures um, mm. coming off of Oxycontin. So it's, it's no joke. Wow. Yep. I've heard and seen some of that, you know, thankfully, and this isn't tooting my horn. I've never been inclined to any of those directions. Not that you necessarily were or anyone else. It's just, Anytime I've been prescribed something like that, it's I'll take like one or two and I'm, I get scared. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> take it anymore, yeah, but choice. you know, and there's a thing. Yeah. I, I just try to, okay. I'm just going to like grin and bear it if there's some pain of something or whatever too. But um, it, yeah, there's a whole thing. We don't need to delve real deep into the whole drug thing, but there, I was watching this HBO documentary called the crime of the century all about that then the history of what's called the Sackler family and Purdue Pharma which produced Oxycontin and uh, some major settlements that are coming down actually as we speak uh, yeah. related to that and also another kind of made up illusion of justice settlement some years ago maybe 10 12 years ago but anyway it's ugly stuff I just you know again no judgment on you or anyone else all that we are about, I would think you'd probably agree is love. We just want to love people, you know, whatever, whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, whatever you may be even addicted to, uh, doesn't matter to me. We do. We just need to, I just want to see people in the very best place possible to, to thrive and succeed. Um, is there anything else you want to add on that topic <laughs> before we kind of shift gears here? Um, you know, I know it's probably a tough, a tough road. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm not special and unique in any type of shape, way, shape, or form in the sense of like we've all have had um, some really challenging uh, events in our life and facing adversity. And, and maybe it's drug, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's a different addiction, or maybe you, you've never experienced that. But, you know, when you're at your lowest of lows and you're struggling really, really bad and, and you're down and out, 
Yeah. Um, I, I, we have to remind ourselves that success is on the other side of the struggle, right? When we can overcome really, really tough adversity and, and challenges, we're going to come out on the other side, uh, a stronger person, more resilient, wiser, um, and, and learn a lot, learn a lot of lessons along the way. So it's, it's definitely something that uh, I'm grateful for. Uh, fortunately, I did hurt some people along the way because I was very selfish during those years. So I'm not proud of that. Um, but I'm glad it happened uh, the way it did because, uh, you know, it, it taught me a lot. And, and, you know, people listening right now, there's probably something in your life that you might be ashamed of or not proud of. And you were really down and out. But, you know, think about how much stronger you came out. And, uh, you know, there's probably going to be something else down the road for me. It's not pills because I beat that and I'm not going down that path again. But life, mm-hmm. life is always going to throw curveballs at us. And, and we just have to remember that, you know, success is on the other side of that struggle. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing all that and for opening up and being vulnerable that way. It's and I honor that um, it's uh, it's just an interesting thing in life. How, yeah, these struggles and it's easier said than done. But for anyone out there, including you and me both. Let's muscle through. If you need help, support. We're in a time where there's all kinds of ways to get that, uh, you know, the internet era with Facebook groups and all kinds of support uh, through the internet, plus uh, counseling and other things. I, I for one, have gone through my own counseling with my own stuff and uh, continue to, by the way, and uh, nothing to be like, look down. Upon. I used to, by the way, think that like, oh, if you go to counseling, it's like, because I was very independent. Uh, I digress a little here, but it's, you know, seek help if you need it. We're here to help. Send me an email, fill it and, you know, info at empowerhumans.com is actually the best one. Uh, or even maybe reach out to Daniel. He could share his story. Uh, but in any event, now from that whole place, tell me how you got to where, what you're doing now. I mean, obviously there's some things in between and, and, and on the topic of your dad, by the way, I think you'd mentioned he was an entrepreneur and then he disappeared. Is there any more you want to add on that? Like, have you been in touch with dad since, or, uh, is that somehow related to how you got into entrepreneurship? Cause he was an entrepreneur or what do you want to tell me? On yeah, that? De- definitely not related to how I became an entrepreneur. Um, I, I didn't grow up wanting to become an entrepreneur. I, I wish I had a, a cool Gary Vee story where I was a hustler since day one and yeah. I was making money as an entrepreneur when I came out the womb. Um, but that's not my, that's not my truth. Um, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I harbored a lot of resentment when my dad left. Uh, we were really close. Like he was my high school, he was my coach, uh, you know, elementary school coach in terms of soccer, basketball, things like that. Like we, we were really tight. So when he left, it, it was shocking, especially not having answers and, and not knowing for so long. Um, so there was a lot of darkness, you know, from when I was 12, 13, 14, 15 and so forth. Um, things started to have more of a light um, when I had my daughter, when I had my daughter Isabella, because when she was born, I remember holding her in my arms and I remember looking at her and thinking, man, like, this is my blood. Like, this is my, my child. The, the, people talk about having a kid and how it changes you, but you don't really know what it means until you actually hold that baby. And the baby is as long as your forearm, right? Like their <laughs> fingers are so small and legs yeah. are so small. You're like, oh my gosh, this is like beautiful. Like, like God created this. And uh, I remember thinking, well, you know, like that's still my dad. Like he might've made a lot of bad choices and, and he's still my dad. Um, so I'm 32 now. Uh, we talk here and there. I've seen him a handful of times over the years. Um, and, and there's nothing but love, you know, he's apologized and, you know, I've forgiven him. You know, that's one thing that yeah. can really stunt growth is resentment and, and, and not forgiving people. It's okay to not forget, right? Like I don't forget some of the things that happen. However, you know, not forgiving him and holding on to it. It's like, you're trying to run with, you know, a parachute behind you and some weight on your, your ankles and you're trying to run as fast as you can. Like that's hard to do. And, and when you're trying to run through life and, and, and live life where you're winning, it's hard to, to win when you're holding on to a bunch of dead weight. And, and that's what, you know, resentment and, and not forgiving somebody and just holding on to it in a negative light. Um, so to answer your question, like it's, it's, it's all good. It's, it's, it's all love and peace. Good. Yeah. I, I echo everything you just said and I, and I'm glad to hear such a free, uh, you know, forgiveness and, you know, open place that you've gotten to with all this. Um, it, it's easy to hold on to stuff, you know, and whether people are, I don't know, religious or not Christian or not, you know, Jesus taught about forgive 70 times 70 or so or 70 times seven. I think he said something like that. And, um, he would always say, 
my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I started to think about that in terms of forgiveness myself, actually very recently because of my own stuff, my own life sometimes, but it's like, it kind of echoes some of what you're saying, letting these burdens go. That can just be these heavy weights. You just drag around, just like, let's flush it out and let's move forward and do whatever we can to, you know, find peace with that thing. But let's let, just let it go. (laughs) So yeah, I love that you were able to do that. Um, and so now would you say, obviously your daughter thinks that Isabella was not a planned, uh, you know, obviously expected situation, but did that situation kind of help save you a little bit as well? Or, um, maybe I'm just making it more Hollywood than I, I need to, but obviously it's been a positive thing for you to have your daughter, even though you didn't plan on it at that time. <laughs> yeah. I still remember like it was yesterday. I, I was walking um, at the time I was living with her mom and I was on cloud nine. I was making six figures. I was 18. Um, I just bought a new house. This was in 08, right before the crash. Yeah. Um, things were going really good for me from the outside looking in. And then I remember she told me as we were walking around the neighborhood, she's just like, hey, I've got something to tell you. She's like, I'm pregnant. And, and you know, those moments where you sit down on a curb and you kind of bury your head in your <laughs> knees, you kind of bury your head on, on the top of your, on, on your, your arm. Um, I had that where I just sat down and buried my head on my knees and my arms. And I just put my head down. And I was just like in shock for a long time. Wow. And uh, that's not something I wanted to have happen. Like I wasn't ready to be a dad. I, I made certain choices that got to that point, but it wasn't planned. And um it's, it's tough to, uh, it was tough to talk about it earlier in life, but now that, you know, I'm 32 and my daughter's 12, it's a lot easier because it's, it's all wisdom and lessons and part of who mm-hmm. I am today. Uh, but I wasn't even there at the, the birth of my daughter. Um, I didn't, didn't get to see that. And, uh, I got oh. to see her two weeks into it and, and I've been in her life ever since. Um, and unfortunately the first six months of her life, I was still using Oxycontin. I kept trying to get clean. Um, I never went to rehab, but I kept trying to get clean. I'd, I'd last a week. I'd be clean. I tried Suboxone. I tried methadone. I tried doing everything to get clean other than going to rehab. And I would just always relapse. And, uh, I remember like it was yesterday, this was November, 2009. Um, my, my mom and my daughter were at the house. My, my mom was, uh, making Turkey, making Thanksgiving dinner, I, I threw an excuse out there like, hey, I got to go to the gas station and grab a Red Bull. And uh, I went and called all my drug dealers trying to get pills that day and no one was picking up the phone. You know, imagine that all the drug dealers are at their family's house having Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. So here I am just running around tra- town trying to get a hold of people, trying to get pills to get high. I was out of pills that day. And I just remember getting to a point where I knew I wasn't going to get pills and I knew what was coming ahead of me. I knew I was going to be withdrawing. And then I just really started to think about my life. Like, okay, here I am you know, running around town telling my, my, my family that I went to the gas station to grab a Red Bull when that's a lie. And my whole life is a lie. And is this the kind of life I want to live for my daughter? Like she's six months old. She doesn't know that her dad's a, you know, a, a deadbeat drug, you know, drug head. Like, was this the life I want to have my daughter see? And when she's going to be two and three and five and 10 and 15, like, is this the example I want to set? And it just hit me in a different way at that moment in time. And then the next day I knew I needed to make some changes. Um, I actually made some phone calls and I was able to network with some different people and got a new job in Las Vegas. And, and that next day I was able to start making moves and I'm pretty sure it was that week I ended up moving to Las Vegas. Um, and uh, I knew for me to get clean, I had to get in a new environment, new phone number, new friends, new city, new landscape. And it's, it's funny telling the story in the sense of I left Utah where on the outside, Utah looks so whole and wholesome and peaceful, right? And then I moved to Las Vegas, Sin City, to get clean. And uh, I've been clean 12 years since. Um, and uh, my, my daughter was a big reason. I, I, wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be clean today if it wasn't for her. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And uh, interesting also that this was Thanksgiving. I mean, these moments of reckoning come sometimes unexpectedly and who can say all the reasons why and whatever with God and angels that may be watching over us. But um, it's, that's, yeah, and it's interesting too. you point out the whole Utah and then coming to sin city. And, and that's where you found uh, clarity, peace and, and all that. Um, 
So, so tell me what, what continued down that path, because now you're doing uh, other things. Obviously, you have this book coming out uh, about, you know, the blueprint, blueprint to your best retirement. So how did we get from that point? Now you're coming to Vegas to where we are now. Like what? Obviously, you're CEO of this company. Talk to me about that whole process. Yeah. So I was in, uh, like I mentioned earlier, 18 years old, um, got into sales. Um, and ever since I started working in sales at 18, uh, I, I did pretty well for myself, made, made six figures many years, um, mm-hmm. blew a lot of money, learned a lot of lessons. And uh, I was in the real estate uh, sales space, real estate coaching space. And when I would talk to a lot of these real estate investors, they mentioned how they use retirement accounts like IRAs and 401ks to invest into real estate. Like they would say they use the retirement account to flip a house or to purchase a rental property. And, and that intrigued me because I thought retirement accounts were just for stocks and, and mutual funds. I didn't know that you could use your retirement accounts in the ways that they were explaining. So that seed was planted in, in me in my early years, my early 20s. Um, that's how I got introduced to the self-directed retirement account space. And um, I knew I, I wanted to do something different. I knew I wanted to get into finance and uh, at 24 years old, I made a pivot and I changed industries and uh, I went from making six figures in a comfortable position in a, in a place where I knew, um, you know, I had tenure, I've been there for a long time and uh, I was familiar with the company to, I went to a different company in a different industry and, you know, I was making 40, 50,000 my first year. Um, so there were some adjustments, but mm-hmm. I knew starting from the bottom in a different industry that I really wanted to become a part of was the right move. Um, so I, I had to reinvent myself at, at that time at 24, started from the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, worked my way up. Um, because I was a knucklehead and, and made a lot of bad choices with my credit score, um, you know, not saving money, uh, just having bad money habits in my early years. Um, I was able to, when I was 24, 25, 23, I was able to start saving money and, and work on my credit. Um, and then I was able to get to a point where three years ago, I started Quest Education and uh, being able to, you know, max out credit cards and, and take my savings and, and go all in, as they say in Las Vegas, to start something that I really believed in three years ago. And uh, three years today, uh, got 14 employees, got customers in, in all 50 states, and uh, we help solve a big problem in the marketplace, which is helping people access the money in their IRAs and 401ks penalty and tax-free. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, I want to dig deeper with all that. Um but real fast, you talked about you got to this transitional place where you had to, as you put it, reinvent yourself. And uh, first of all, I commend you for even crossing that threshold and doing that whole thing, because some people come to that that moment, another, again, maybe moment of reckoning of sorts in life. And it's like, oh, I'm too scared. I'm going to stay over here and status quo with uh, my comfort zone of what I've been doing instead. Um What do you have to say to anybody who's at that place? Like, Hey, I'm at a crossroads. I need to, and it could be in any area of life. It could, you know, obviously business, but it could be related to family, even divorce or different things where um, maybe they're scared to take that leap of faith, like Indiana Jones with the last crusade. (laughs) But uh, do you have any advice for people as they make transitions in life from one thing, even if like in your case, you had to take a pay cut and start from the bottom again, Um, any thoughts or, you know, advice on that topic? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. So, so I made a post on my Instagram the other day talking about how stress and anxiety impacts all of us. And uh, someone made a comment and said that, you know, they're working a stable job that they like and it's secure and they have a job interview coming up next week for a higher paying job, mm-hmm. but it's going to be something that's riskier because it's, there's a lot of competition and it's, it's not guaranteed that they would make that kind of money. And they're just like stressing themselves out. And I'm just like, okay, well, what's your worst case scenario? Like what happens if you don't land this new job? You just go back to where you were before, right? <laughs> like I think a lot of people forget that when you make that switch, like that's why I was able to make that switch so confidently. Well, two things. One, I could afford to go from making a hundred grand a year, 150 grand a year, to 50,000 a year because I was living within my means. When I was 18, 19, making six figures, I was spending more than I was making. I was not living within my means. Right. So because I fell flat on my face at 18, 19, 20, 
when I was 23, 24, 25, it was a different story. Um, and that's why failure is such a great teacher, right? They say success is a horrible teacher. Um, so that's yeah. huge, right? Like you have to be able to financially afford it, right? The math has to make sense, right? So the math made sense for me. And then taking the risk was, I was okay. Like, okay, if it doesn't work out, I can just go back to where I was before, right? Yeah. So like, if that's your worst case scenario, like, what do you have to lose? Mm. Yeah. And I like that perspective because again, some people get paralyzed with fear. You talked about the word anxiety and it's not, it's no joke. It's nothing to you know make fun of. I, for one, haven't dealt with what we might call anxiety, but we've all been nervous. We've all had moments of fear and uh, difficulty in life. Um, but you know, it's interesting. And you talk about failure's best teacher and we did a podcast way, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago now <laughs> where it was, uh, it was about fail in order to succeed, I think is the, uh, episode title. We're talking like episode 40 something. We have 150 something now, but you can go find it if you want. But one of the things that I found in some of my research preparing for that, and it wasn't an interview, it was just like me talking, but it was that these guys in baseball, like Babe Ruth and uh, Hank Aaron and Jose Canseco and Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, these guys who are like the home run kings over the years. Uh, guess what? They're also the the strikeout kings. And that's actually true. You go look at the stats. You look at like the top 10 and stuff over time. They're the same guys who also were the home run kings. And so I think that's very instructive. It's like we have to be ready and willing to go to bat knowing you might hit a home run, but you might strike out and, uh, and worst case scenario, you know, you're not going to in the baseball analogy, it's like someone's going to drive a bus on the field and run you over. It's just, you've struck out, learn from it. <laughs> Let's try better next time. And, uh, so I like that, that, and it applies everywhere with sports and business and family and life. Let's learn from our failures and mistakes and be patient with each other as each other are learning from those things too. But uh, any other thoughts on that? I want to talk about your your business stuff too. But any other thoughts on the whole topic and transition and failure and all that as we transition here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think what you said is so relatable to people in sports, right? It, 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 you can yeah. find different analogies for different people, right? Anyone that plays sports, you know, they're going to resonate with with that kind of analogy. Um, and at, at the end of the day. Um, you know, people are afraid of, of failing because they're afraid of what other people think about them. And people are afraid of what other people think about them because they're not super clear on their identity. So if you yeah. peel back the layers of why you're afraid of failing, you have to peel back the layers. And there's a couple of layers, right? Like you are afraid of what other people are going to think if you fail. And if you're caring that much about people's opinions, then that means you lack certain things inside of you, like self-worth, confidence, and, and those things are tied to you as an individual and your identity and what you stand for. So if you can be yeah. more clear on who you are, what you stand for, what you believe in, then who cares what other people think about you, right? And if you can come from that perspective and you don't care what other people think about you, then you're not going to care about failing. And I'm not saying like have no empathy. Like you should still care. Like I care about what my wife says, like what my mom says, like there's people in my life, like, you know, certain mentors, like if they say, Hey, blue, you're messing up. And here's why, like, I'm going to listen to that, you know, but like on Instagram, when I have some knucklehead, just making a comment on my post, and I don't even know who he is. And he has a profile picture. That's not even him. Like, uh, why am I, I going to care? You know, it's just noise. So you have to know what's real and, and what's not, you know, the, the noise and the distractions from the actual substance. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I know you as a guy who's, you know, I've seen some of your, your uh, posts and stories and stuff. I know you're a guy who's really into fitness and stuff, for example, too. And it's, it's all the same in that realm. It's like, especially if you're like lifting weights, the best uh, results you get is from, from working your muscle to literally to failure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that everyone does all the time when yeah. they're working out, but that's, that's truth. That's science. That's just the way it is. Um, again, all of it's instructive, everything. And it's very consistent. I love universal principles like that, whether it's business, working out, whatever uh, it's okay. Let's embrace failure. And then that's like you said, let's break those chains, whether it's you with your forgiveness, with your dad and finding that peaceful place and flushing out that burden 
uh, or breaking the chains of, Hey, I care so much what everyone thinks with someone. I don't even know this guy, this knucklehead on Instagram or whatever, like let's, let's pick, uh, pick the things that matter most and run with that. And it's, and it's not going to be as many things as, as a lot of us burden ourselves with. And that's kind of the the key, um, I think phrase of it all is burden ourselves. Like it's on us. So uh, our freedom is on us too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Tell me more. Speaking of freedom, as we talk about retirement, boy, uh, you know, my I'm 40. My dad's in his 70s. My mom's almost 70 and, you know, they're divorced. But, you know, we there's a lot of these baby boomer folks out there, a lot of folks already in retirement in some capacity or at least trying to be. Some of them, you know, God forbid they end up having to, you know, be the Walmart greeter or something. If they do, we still love and respect them. But obviously that wasn't probably what they planned on in most cases. Um, but talk to me about the whole retirement thing and and how that relates to what you do day to day. Yeah. So the the big problem that a lot of people have is when they have a 401k or an IRA, a lot of times they're under the, the thought process of this money is locked up. I can't touch it. If I do touch it, I'm going to pay 30% penalties and taxes. So, you know, this money is just from when I'm old and, uh, that's not true. You know, that that's money that is accessible penalty and tax free, uh, in a lot of circumstances. And when people have more flexibility, more freedom, more control over their money, then there's a lot of options that are on the table. And, uh, you know, who we specifically can show a lot of value to are people that uh, are entrepreneurs who don't have any W-2 employees. So maybe you're a freelancer, contractor, realtor, uh, online business, like you have some kind of entrepreneurial activity, side hustle, uh, and, and you want to be able to have uh, more freedom with your money. So once you learn, oh, hey, this 401k or IRA, I can access penalty and tax-free, well, now that I know that, maybe I can use that money to pay off some high interest rate credit card debt. Can't tell you, Phil, how many people we've talked to that have, you know, $15,000 in credit card debt paying 20% interest. Meanwhile, their retirement account is making them 8% a year. If you're making 8% a year on your money and losing 15, 20% on your credit card debt, you're losing money faster than you're making money. So, you know, maybe going down that road and using the retirement account to pay off the credit card debt makes sense. Yeah. Um, or maybe using the money to start a business. Uh, one, one of our customers, uh, she used to manage a, a great clips. Um, there's a lot of great clips here in Las Vegas. I know you're familiar with them. I don't know sure. about the, the rest of the listeners, but you know, it's a franchise hair salon. She was getting tired of working there on her feet all day. She'd been doing it for a long time and she wanted to have her own business to work from home and be her own boss, right? Like that's the American dream. Yep. And uh, she needed about $20,000 to buy some inventory and to get started with her online business. And she didn't want to have to go into debt and pay interest to the banks. So we were able to help her take her retirement account, move it over into the solo 401k. Mm -hmm. uh, if you guys have a piece of paper and a pen or grab no the notes from your uh, iPhone, um, if you guys can get one thing out of this conversation, the solo 401k. Um, so that's the vehicle that allowed uh, this customer I'm talking about to actually use what's called a loan feature. And she took the money out penalty and tax free, and she was able to buy her inventory. She took the $20,000 out and that really jump started her business. And that was a few years ago. And uh, I just talked to her not that long ago this, uh, like this month. And uh, she's now, uh, you know, here, here in 2021, she's working from home um, and, and not, and she quit her job. What's funny is when I, I was talking to her during COVID and all that, she crushed it in COVID. She was selling <laughs> a lot of top ramen and beauty products and groceries during COVID <laughs> and she crushed it, but uh, she quit her job a couple years ago and uh, has a uh, time freedom and some financial freedom. And a lot of that was because of our help and helping her set up that uh, IRS approved plan called a solo 401k. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that sounds great. That's awesome that uh, in, in that particular case, that's what she was able to do. Um, what other scenarios exist with that? I mean, you mentioned real estate earlier. I know there's um, like self-directed IRAs and stuff like that, which is what it sounds like some of these guys were telling you about from the real estate world. But what, what other scenarios or maybe even stories from what, what you've done? Do you have anything else uh, as far as how this plays out for people or the things they do with it? Yeah. So, so mainly it's the people that, uh, you know, 
don't have the math working in their favor, right? They're losing money faster than they're making money. They've got some debt that's in double digit interest rates, Um, or they could use some capital to start that business. They've always wanted to get going or infuse uh, their existing business with some cash. Um, Also, there's people that aren't a big fan of the stock market and they would like to have that money invested outside of stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Well, just like a self-directed IRA, a solo 401k works the same way. You can have investments held outside of the stock market. So maybe you want to use some of the money to invest into precious metals, um, crypto, uh, private equity, promissory notes, private lending. You want to flip a house, have a rental property inside your account, right? You could do these alternative investments that have nothing to do with Wall Street. So you have a much bigger menu of investment options. Mm. Okay. That sounds really cool. Um, and so you work with clients like all over the, you said all 50 states. Um, so, and I'm guessing state by state, sometimes people might be more inclined to do different things than maybe in another state <laughs> as well, just depending on what, you know, the economy's like and businesses that are there. Um, obviously, uh, you know, e-commerce has been a huge thing for a lot of people as well. And we've, in fact, uh, because we have this, this other, you're familiar because we have seven figures funding. We help people get funding as well. Um, and uh, I, you, you know, Leo, I work with Leo. I've known Leo for a long, long time. Leo's our CEO. And so we help people. He was just at an event helping a bunch of people with uh, e-commerce situations as well, just to get funding. Because at the end of the day, it's like people have a different view with money because I've done a lot of financial services in my adult life as well. Do you ever run into this where it's like, Oh, I learned I'm not supposed to do this or that or this with debt or whatever. Like, do you have to like kind of help people kind of see the light a little bit sometimes just to kind of get their minds right before they make a move? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that just comes down to lack of knowledge, right? And just society wanting you to follow the green arrow. And I say the green arrow super intentionally because um, maybe some of you guys remember there was a commercial back in the day it was a fidelity commercial. And it was a group of people that were outside and they were having coffee. And then this green arrow pops up on the screen and they all look at each other. They look at the green arrow and then they just start following the green arrow and it takes them to fidelity. And it just talks about just follow the green arrow. And, and that's really the way a lot of the financial system is set up. It's just like, just follow us, put your head down, don't ask questions and, and just follow us blindly. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of myths that are out there and, and lack of knowledge. So it really does take just pulling the curtain back and helping people understand, you know, hey, I know you've thought that this is the way it's worked, but here's some proof. There's a thing called Google and here's some education and some knowledge. And yeah. here are some other options that you probably didn't get from your financial advisor or your CPA. And then they're like, well, how come no one ever told me this before? How come my financial advisor didn't tell me before? Well, because they make money based off of how much money you have with them. There's what's called assets under management. You know, they're making one to 2% a year on money that's in these accounts, billions, if not trillions of dollars that these different companies are making. So why would they teach you a way for you to access your retirement account penalty and tax-free? Of course, most of the time they're going to be against you using your money to start a business or invest in real estate or pay off your credit card debt because that's taking food off their table. Yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, that's true. And it's, uh, it's interesting because we, you know, you we're adults now, but we've all gone through school and uh, you know, different things there, but it's interesting to me, all the stuff they teach in school, but then the stuff that's like real core life skills, that's not taught in school, (laughs) such as money relationships, even sales. Like if we had good curriculum to teach people sales, that would benefit them in all kinds of ways throughout all sorts of, you know, faucets of their life. Um, But in any event, it's good that there's folks like you also to help, you know, educate people and stuff as well along the way with principles that, oh, I didn't know this. I just grew up in this household and we just lived paycheck to paycheck. And I didn't have any other principles other than that. It's funny when I was in school, all that they taught us to do that I remember, aside from like addition, subtraction, they taught you how to write a check. <laughs> in fact, no one even uses checks anymore for the most part. If you do, I feel for you. But uh 
so it was like, well, writing a check is like paying bills. Like that's all they taught us in school. It's like, go pay a bill. Here's how to write a check and balance your check ledger at the bank. <laughs> so it's it's good to have more advanced, uh, you know, financial education. Um, so, by the way, so people, you're DanielBlue.me, just like it sounds, right? All together. Yep. yep. DanielBlue.me. Dot me. Right. Okay, cool. That's easy to remember. DanielBlue.me. And so as an entrepreneur, I mean, you have, and you've links to all this stuff uh, there as well, but you have your podcast, uh, How Winners Win. And uh, what what made you want to do a podcast to begin with? And uh, I mean, obviously you talk about a lot of entrepreneurial topics. Uh, talk talk to me more about the podcast. It's, it's not like a you've been around for 12 years kind of podcast, but you've got some good established footing out there in the podcast world I've seen. What, what made you want to jump in the podcast world as a fellow from podcaster to podcaster? You know, it's been something that's been uh, brought up to me a while. I think you're friends with uh, Travis Chapel on Facebook. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, that's a good friend of mine. I'm actually golfing with him today. Um, you know, he's been in my ear. Yeah. He's been in my ear about getting a podcast for a few years. Um, you know, part of me probably was like some limiting beliefs as far as man, like, because I want to get a podcast going initially to talk about finance. Right. I mean, cause that's our core business model is helping people with finances. Um, but then I was like, man, I'm going to bore people to death. Like I want to talk to people about other topics, right? Like personal development and business principles, right? You know, having 14 employees, I can talk about culture and, and marketing and hiring and firing and just a lot of different uh, topics. Yeah. But like last year or the year before, um, if you look at where I was back then versus now, um, I wanted to have more experience, right? It's kind of like that whole conversation of, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that are teaching people how to do X, and they've never done X before, but their Instagram says that they're a weight loss trainer. Right. Um, so I wanted to make sure that, you know, before I start, you know, giving tips and suggestions beyond the financial side that like I had a, a pretty good track record and, and I could come from a place of, Hey, I actually know what I'm talking about. So like now I, I feel comfortable talking about, you know, some of these different uh, strategies, how winners win. I'm, I'm a big sports guy. I think there's a lot of parallels between sports and life and business. Um, I want to see people win. I want to help people win in their personal life, uh, their business life, their financial life. Um, you know, I've been a part of a few different masterminds and, you know, I've got coaches I work with now and I've worked with a lot of coaches. So, you know, I feel comfortable now uh, taking the, the experience and wisdom that I've learned and speaking freely about it, feeling confident and knowing that I can actually make a difference in, in people's life. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And, the, you know, and that's, you know, some with our podcast, which has been some broad topics with empower humans. Uh, but, you know, I can relate too. it's just trying to lift people. And yeah, you're going to do plenty of business in the process as well, too. But you've, you've certainly paid your dues and, and earned that position to be able to now speak to people and interview people and do the things you do um, as a podcaster. And, and so one of the things I wanted to ask you too, is um, uh, you know, as adults, when we're kids, it's like, we, we think it's life so tough. Uh, you know, if I could go back in my DeLorean or whatever and be a, a kid again for a day or two, that I'd be like, Oh, I'd be all over that. I could go just hang out and be the class clown at school again. And, <laughs> but as you become an adult, it's like, there's all these other things you got to deal with, with bills and family and stuff. And obviously you want to get to a place of, of joy and clarity and alignment and happiness with all that. But do you have any thoughts as far as being an entrepreneur or even just a, a person, you know, a lot of people just have a job and they're trying to balance kids or maybe they're a single parent on top of it. Um, do you have any uh, insights on that whole topic as far as how do we balance? Some people use this, uh, I don't know, work-life balance or whatever different terms we use, but how do we find balance? Especially entrepreneur, a lot of times you're putting in lots of hours and stuff too. Um, any any insights or thoughts there, Daniel? Yeah, I think balance doesn't exist. I mean, I'll, I'll use Leo, who we both know. He's a successful business owner. He's been doing it a long time. You ask that guy about balance, he's going to be like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> Leo goes hard, right? Leo's creating content. He's leading a company. Um, I know he spends more time on business than his family, but I also know he just was in Florida hanging out with his family and he went hard hanging out with his family, right? So it's like, okay, 
your family and, and, and your, your mission and what you're trying to do, um, it's just going to be a different point at a different time in the sense of, to me, work-life balance, only two people can have work-life balance. One, you're, you're, you're doing very well for yourself. You have enough passive income coming in where you can golf every day. You can hang out with your family every day and not have to work. Um, you know, you're just doing very well for yourself. You put in the work and you have enough businesses and investments and passive income coming in where like you're in a good spot financially and, and you can actually truly have work-life balance, right? Because there's only 24 hours in the day, right? So if we sleep five, six, seven, eight hours a, a day, there's almost a third of the day. And if work-life balance means in half of the, or the other third, you're hanging out with family and the other third you're working. Like if you're hanging out with your family and, and friends and, and golfing and doing fun things six, eight hours a day, um, you, you've got to be doing pretty well for yourself. Um, and then the other type of person that has work-life balance is someone that's just okay making 30 grand a year, 50 grand a year. And I have a hard time believing people listening to this podcast are content making 30, 40, 50 grand a year. And they're not trying to start a side hustle. They're not trying to make improvements financially. They're not trying to level up financially. Um, and if someone is in a position where they're okay making uh, just average income and having work-life balance where every weekend they go to the bars, every weekend they go out with friends, you know, on the weeknights when they get done with work, they're watching Netflix. Like if that's the life you want to live, then more power to you. You know, if you can find peace and happiness within that and you're okay being content and, and settling that more power to you. Um, but for the rest of us, work-life balance is, it does not exist. You know, I'm 32 years old. I'm, I'm still on a mission to impact more people within the country in terms of clients. Um, I'm, I'm on a mission to hire more employees and provide a better lifestyle for my employees. Um, I'm putting more time and effort into my business right now than I am with my family. But my family knows that and I'm super clear on that and I have goals to change that. However, along the way, you know, we're going to Lake Tahoe in two weeks. I'm going to be gone a whole week. I'm not going to be on my phone a whole lot. I'm not going to be working. I'm going to be in the lake hanging out with my 12-year-old daughter and hanging out with my wife and her family, right? And, and my life working at the business gives me the lifestyle to be able to do those things. So um, that's, that's my two cents on, on work-life balance. Not everyone will agree, but that's just the conclusion that I've come to. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate just the candor of saying, oh, okay, there's no such thing as balance. I mean, there is, but it's more something you're striving for than we do perfectly as people. And, and I, I kind of borrow the analogy from someone I heard who's a pilot who talks about how when you're going from one point to another in an airplane, it's just a constant process of course corrections. So, the, you know, the plane's veering this way a little bit or this way a little bit, and you just have to constantly course correct this plane in the air. Uh, with these, you know, precious lives, you know, it's your responsibility to get to that destination safely. Um, and so I, th I think that's also instructive, like, okay, let's, let's be in a constant state, maybe not fully constant, but in a state of reassessing if you're married, like, you know, have a regular meeting with your spouse and okay, how are we doing with things? How are we doing in our marriage? How are we doing with, <laughs> with uh, the kids and so on? And what do we need to do to adjust? And we talk about finances, whatever works for you or me, the individual and that family. But I think it's, I think it's just a healthy place to say, okay, we don't need to be perfectionists, but we can uh, be in this constant mode of course corrections and just like gradually adjust here and adjust there just to kind of keep all the plates spinning, so to speak. Right. Um, I, boy, there's so many things we could talk about just, just as like adult entrepreneurs, we could compare so many notes, but in the interest of time, and I know you got to go meet up with our friend, Travis, and by the way, tell him hello. Uh, <laughs> what, what final thoughts do you have? What other final things do you want to share? And when does the book come out? Yeah, book comes out next month. Uh, for those who are interested in learning about me and uh, my company and, and what we do, uh, head over to danielblue.me. 
Um, like you mentioned, the book comes out and it's coming out next month. Uh, so there's a link for the book. Um, there's also a link to the podcast, How Winners Win. We're on all the major platforms. Um, and then there's a link to my course. It's called The Quest Way, uh, How to Make Money Tax-Free. So it expands a lot more on the topics that we spoke about here today, Phil, where it talks about how to make money tax-free, um, how to access your retirement account penalty and tax-free and do some things like payoff debt or start a business or, you know, invest uh, into real estate, things like that. Um, there's also a, a link to all my social media channels. I'm, I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's uh, at Daniel Blue with two underscores, uh, pretty active on Facebook as well. And then there's a link to Quest Education, uh, the name of my company, uh, where if you have a 401k from an old job or an IRA and you're like, whoa, I did not know I could access these, these dollars penalty and tax-free. I want to know more. Then, then you're going to want to click the link uh, to take you to Quest Education's website. Um, and then from there, you can fill out some basic information. Um, some of my team, uh, my reps would reach out to you and over a series of phone calls, be able to pull back the curtain, educate you on the, the processes and the different options that are out there and, and see if it makes sense to uh, work with us. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, I can't thank you enough. And so it sounds like danielblue.me is kind of the central hub for most of that. And yes. you know, the podcast is How Winners Win, Quest Education, find that the Quest Way course. And of course, the book, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. A lot of great things going on in your world. And uh, so I commend you and I, I can't thank you enough for coming, sharing and, and being so vulnerable, just sharing some of your story and, you know, some rough patches in your life that, um, I commend you for having overcome sounds like, and, uh, and just sharing that as a, as a way to lift others too. And so continue doing that. And for our audience, thank you for joining us. And we're, I, I always say this, but we're flattered. I, for one, am flattered. You spend time with us. We want to bring you some value, you know, email and reach out at empower one-on-one on Instagram and Twitter, you know, info at empowerhumans.com, which I mentioned earlier. And until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.